Welcome to our Rock City Church podcast. We are so excited to have you join us. Our desire is that you would listen with expectancy for what God wants to do in your life. We pray that you would encounter the mighty love of the Father and that you would be fired up for the more that He has for you. Our story with foster care came because I was seeing things that I didn't know I needed to see. So we attempted to pursue fostering and adoption about six or seven years ago, and we were trying to do it on our own because we wanted more kids. We've had several miscarriages. We've dealt with infertility. We've tried all this stuff other than, the. I mean, it just feels like we've done everything. And so six-ish years ago, we were like, well, if we do foster care, we can adopt through foster care. We can, it'll be easy. It'll be, there won't be too much drama with it and it was awful we fought every single time we went to every meeting because we were still broken inside we couldn't take in any kids at that point and we were doing it with a motive and then about two years ago we decided to start vlogging and I know this is probably sounds like two totally different things but they connect I promise and we started sharing videos about Corpus Christi and were invited to be interviewed on a local tv show where we met the uh Basically, I don't know what your position is, Susan. I just always call you Susan. The founder, director, CEO, boss babe of Agape Ranch, which is a nonprofit that's helping to basically do everything to eradicate foster care, help to build forever families for these children, however that might look. And so we met on the show, didn't think anything of it, didn't exchange information, And then by some crazy turn of events, a.k.a. the Lord, um, I was asked to cover and do photography for the prayer breakfast that was for the city. And I was texted late, late one night asking me to be somewhere at 5 a.m. the next day because somebody had called in and bumped into Susan again. And she goes, hey, do you make videos? And I was like, that's actually what I do. These photos are not my jam. So hopefully they're not mad when they get the results. And so... That ended up becoming almost now almost two years of making videos. But about a year ago, we were working on a virtual gala because COVID couldn't really have a gala. It would have been terrible. No one would have came. And so we decided to film stories, all the different facets, all the different elements, and put them together for this virtual gala. So over the period of a couple of months, the things that you saw in that video I was getting to hear from real life families. I was getting to hear from children that had gone through that. And there's something about hearing something and seeing a problem right in front of you and then keeping your mouth shut when you know you are called to be part of the solution that really wakes you up. I'm not kidding, like even, even once we started to wrap the first, that big gala video, Susan's like, I'm opening Agape Harbor and you're gonna be one of my first foster families. And I said, absolutely not, absolutely not. And we were. And it turned out to be one of the most incredible things. When we entered into it, we knew what, we thought we knew what we needed to know. But the deeper we've gotten into it, the more our hearts have just expanded to see it through the Lord's eyes. And so before we really start getting into the nitty gritty, we're not going to share the babies that have been placed with us. We're not going to share their names, but we call them Little Nugget and Little Strawberry for reference. So if you hear us saying that, we're not crazy, I promise. But I wanted to show you guys some statistics because this is where my wake-up call was, is once I saw the numbers 
and then saw the faces and realized those numbers aren't just numbers. Those numbers aren't just statistics. That's not just information on a website. Those are real children, real families struggling, and we have done what about it? That was my hard truth. The Lord had to flat out tell me, you have been lazy and complacent, and you're offering sacrifices at 50%. And if you've ever heard the Lord tell you you're only offering sacrifices at 50%, that hits hard. That hits really hard. And then I heard him say, where is my church? I heard him say, where is my church and why aren't they helping? In my thought, I went instantly stubborn. I went instantly selfish. And I was like, well, then I wouldn't be able to do this. I wouldn't be able to do this. It would affect our family. It would do this. And the Lord goes, what's wrong with that? And so I wrestled with it throughout our entire training process of getting licensed. And there is a thing where we're just obsessed with comfort in the American church. But we say we're sacrificing, but are we genuinely, truly, 100% laying our lives down to be the hands and feet of Jesus? There is a quote, I can't remember where it is. It's probably somewhere in my thousands of photos. I'm a millennial, I take too many. But it says, we always say we want to be the hands and feet of Jesus, yet no one wants to be the scarred hands and feet of Christ. What are, like, we have to do something. So I want to show you guys the problem, and then I want to share the solution with you guys, if I can. Do you guys have those slides up? Also, I don't sit well, if you haven't noticed. I like to pace. So I'm going to just try to stay on the platform. That would be good. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I can't read that from here. I didn't bring my glasses. So Jason Johnson is an advocate in the foster care world. He's wrote tons of books, but this quote was something I read literally the day after we got our first placement. Our world was too small before, our faith too shallow, our theology too narrow, our dreams too temporary, our family too isolated, our Christianity too comfortable, our worries too finite, our relationships too homogenous, I can't ever say that word, and our prayers too selfish. There was several things that stood out to me in that. Our family too isolated. We'll open the doors for people within our own church to have meals. But will we do that for the mom struggling that's trying to keep her children? Will we invite them into our home? So if I can get that next slide, please. The number of Texas foster children placed in unlicensed facilities, which is going to be motels, churches, or offices, has surpassed 400 in, as of June 2021 after the upward tick caused by 2020. Okay, next slide, please. And these are just the stats for our own county, and these change almost daily. I checked in on the site two days ago, and it's different now. It was different today. So there are 427 children in out-of-home placements. This is where they aim to provide children with safety and stability. It's a temporary safe environment allowing them to have their physical, mental, moral, and social needs met. And I want to add spiritual needs as well. There are 78 children awaiting adoption. 78, okay? 
There are 325 family preservation cases. This is where it's designed to help very high to high-risk families that are struggling with issues related to child abuse, neglect, domestic violence, mental health issues, and or abuse issues. And I want to say this, abuse does not just happen in low-income areas. I was raised in a wealthy family in a small town and I had all sorts of CPS stuff happening behind closed doors and then was expected to go out in public and act like our family was picture perfect. So you can't judge a book by its cover. Okay, next one, please. And here's Texas. Okay, we've been talking foster care adoption. And I think I need you guys to just really look at that number of children awaiting adoption in the state of Texas. Okay, I'll let you look at that. I'm going to pull something up real quick. Okay. Okay. So you've seen our local, you've seen our state, and I want to talk our national right quick. The number of foster youth nationwide is roughly 424,000. The population of Corpus Christi is around 348,420. That means there's over 75,000 foster kids than there are in our own city. That is literally a metropolis full of fatherless and orphaned children that needs somewhere, and we know about the problem. We've known this stuff, we've heard it, but we keep doing the thing where it's the bystander effect. And I'm only saying this because the Lord has had to say it to me. And I hope when you hear what we're saying, you hear my heart with it because none of it is said to shame you. None of it is said to bring any condemnation down, but to really cause us to look internally as to what we are called to do and what we have chosen to do currently. Can I get that next slide, please? One big element within our own community is the aging out youth. Those that just kind of get lost in the system. These are numbers that I found current today, literally today. I was looking up stuff because I wanted it to be right, accurate, to the minute because things change so much. 20% of foster care, of the aging out of foster care will instantly become homeless, 20%. Half will become substance abusers. 70% will become pregnant before the age of 21. Less than 3% will earn a college degree. And the females become 80% more likely to be trafficked. 80%. Can I get the next one, please? Proverbs 21.3 Doing what is righteous and just is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. I think we can do both. For everything Jesus did for us, I think we're called to do both, to be honest. We always talk about sacrifice. We always talk about bringing our gifts to the altar, laying our lives down for the Lord. But are we walking out in righteousness and justice for the things that are happening around us? Okay, next slide, please. This is where it's going to get crazy. If you had all the orphans of the world holding hands, they would circle the earth three and a half times. Yep, three and a half. Can I get the next one, please? If only 7% of the world's 2.1 billion Christians each cared for one orphan, there would effectively be no more orphans. 
That's not even 10% of the world's Christians. That, that statistic right there was something I saw when I was filming with Susan, putting this, that virtual gala together, and I have never been able to shake this. I've tried to disprove this. I've tried to find articles saying it's, it's not a credible number, and almost every single one of them lines up. Next slide, please. I'm going to leave this up in the background while we finish sharing because just in case you guys have to leave and you kind of have that little urge in your stomach for that knot, I promise you that's the Lord trying to get you to really analyze why you're feeling the way you're feeling. But things, are, we, we live in this glass house sometimes, but we live in it and try and keep it decorated pretty and act like we're doing all the Christian things. But we are called to be the hands and feet of Christ and the flesh and blood of the gospel is to care for the orphans and to raise up the next generation. It's easy to say. It's easy to say. It is scary to do. It is scary to do because every single thing, life as you know it, is going to change. Is it hard some days? Is it worth it? Absolutely. Do you meet people that you're not sure how to feel about? I'm going to say this as nicely as I can. You form opinions about people that are involved within each case, each placement. Might be the parents. Might be the CPS and caseworkers. But our own opinions even try to sneak into the situation instead of coming as the church to help facilitate a solution to a worldwide pandemic that was here long before covid but has been ignored longer than anything. One question that was posed to me, for those that don't know, I'm like obsessed with social media. That's my job. I hang out there all the time. But I had shared a little bit about, hey, we're getting licensed for foster care, all happy-go-lucky, like it's going to be great. There's not a, everything's going to go smoothly. We're going to be waiting for a little while. Things are going to just, life isn't going to change yet. And so somebody commented on there, they're like, you're Christian, right? And I go, yeah, I am. And they go, can I ask something about the church? And I go, sure. They go, how can the church be pro-life and anti-abortion, but not actually help to raise the kids that are left alone? And I, I, I didn't have a response. I didn't. And you know what? That stinks. Because <laughs> I, I couldn't answer it because I hadn't been a part of that solution. And it's really tough to consider the fact that there might be a kid two doors down from you that's about to be taken away. And you could be part of that help, that house, that, that stability. I don't know if you noticed in the movie, but there were two different foster homes. There was one that didn't look so hot, and there was another one where the lady truly tried to get down to the nitty-gritty of the child's needs. That's kind of how it is no matter where you are. That's going to exist no matter where you are. But we need people in the church. We need Christians. We need families. We need spirit-filled believers who are going to step out and say, I will be the one that stands in the gap. I will take the lashes so that you can heal. I will provide a safe space. I'm trying to figure out how to properly share part of one of my a bit of my testimony while still honoring my family. So um, give me just a moment. 
So I wasn't going to share it until it was in the video and you saw the little girl running away from CPS. You saw her running away. And when I was about 15, um, for those that don't know, I've known my husband since I was 13 years old. And so at about 15, I was living behind closed doors this horrible life of child abuse, physical abuse. And one day I just couldn't do it. CP, I, my teachers had called in CPS and the system did nothing because they were friends with that parent that was abusing me. So I was the kid that desperately needed somewhere else. So I ended up running away. And I tried to call Colton. I tried to call his family. His mom even at one point tried to have me come live with them because it will, I was walking around with hidden bruises. And nothing changed. I lived that. I, I aged out of that, I guess you could say. But because of what I know, how I felt as a kid going through that, I can't imagine having all those things going on and then being transported and taken somewhere into a home that does not have Jesus. I cannot imagine not knowing where I'm going or being separated from my brother. Being separated from your siblings, could you imagine that? I, I just, I can't fathom that. And then we have to recognize that there are so many examples in the scriptures of fostering and of adopting. We talk about fatherlessness, the spirit of adoption. We tear down the strongholds of the orphan spirit all the time. But we don't really focus or really talk about that narrative. And so Colton had really seen quite a few things that the Lord had highlighted to him. But before we pass it over, clearly we can talk a lot. So I apologize when I say that as we. We are one. I don't want to go down alone. And... Um, <laughs> But God himself entrusted his son to a foster parent. God himself trusted Jesus Christ to be raised by Mary and Joseph. But Mary would have been biological. But take into consideration, Joseph was not. He entrusted his son, our Messiah, to a man, to a human, to someone that is full of sin, that chose to lay down his life to help raise that little boy who would ultimately give his life for us. So, sorry, I can get on a soapbox all night. So, oh. So she brought up, you know, biblical references and some of the more pivotal points in biblical history happened through adoption. Israel was saved. The nation of Israel was saved through adoption because Moses, as you know, was put on the Nile. All the other babies were to be killed. But Pharaoh's daughter adopted him, and it changed the course of the entire nation of Israel. It was a promise that ended up coming to fulfillment because somebody adopted. Esther was adopted. And like she said, Jesus being kind of the ultimate one, you know, coming through adoption. But we have that now, and we talk about it all the time in the church. You know, on Sunday, David brought up Romans 8, 
and starting in verse 14, I think she's got the scriptures up here too. For as many are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. You can keep going through these. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son born of a woman, born under the law. This is in Galatians. To redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son to your heart, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. In Ephesians, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. We talk about how, you know, we have to see our identity in Christ all the time, but we don't realize that it's us that are being adopted into the kingdom. You know, we don't have any inheritance until we're adopted into the kingdom. These kids have nothing. As you were watching in that video, you see everything they own is in a plastic bag and they go from house to house to house in that. When our first placement came into our house, <clears throat> I'm glad he brought that up. A little nugget came to our house with a onesie and a little hospital bag that they give to every new mama with those few little bottles, a couple diapers. And that was that. Because of the church stepping up and rallying around a child that had been placed, that little boy had everything he needed for the next six months in the first three hours. Because of the church rising up and standing up, and because, like I said, I'm obsessed with making videos and I like to hang out on TikTok, I put that video on TikTok showing what the church can do when they come together. And people were saying, I wish my church was like that. And I was like, our church rocks. It's amazing. Come to Corpus. Move. <laughs> like, whatever you have to do. Whatever you have to do. But through that, previous foster children started speaking out and sharing their stories and started reaching out to us and sharing things. And it was really tough to hear. It was really tough to hear. But there's so much God all over foster care, and adoption when you choose to do it with his eyes and his heart. Because it's easy to get caught up in your own ways and trying to do it yourself. We were licensed on a Monday. Okay, we were told, we were told hey, we've submitted your paperwork. It'll probably take about two weeks. We got told that on a Friday and we were licensed by Monday. We were like, oh my gosh, so cool. Okay, now we wait. Like we were under the impression that we would be getting older children. So we thought we were going to wait, and less than 24 hours later, Little Nugget entered our home. Less than a, about a month right after Little Nugget entered came in Little Strawberry. Both six days old. What are you going to do with two babies when you haven't had one in your house for eight years? I went straight to Pinterest because I didn't remember how to do anything. 
at all. I was like, okay, cool. I know how to change a diaper. Wrong. Totally had forgotten. You got to make sure it covers all of the areas. There was a lot of blowouts, guys. But without us even knowing that the Lord was orchestrating all of this, like I said, we got licensed on a Monday, placed with Little Nugget by Tuesday. A week or two goes by after Little Nugget's placement, and I receive a message from somebody within our own church. And I'm going to read this, and I do want to say we've had it signed off. We're not violating any HIPAA, HIPAA laws. So, On Tuesday, I was in clinicals at Spawn South in Saratoga doing my rotation in the nursery, and I was assigned to a newborn baby. I was instantly taken. <clears throat> the nurse told me that this baby was a CPS case, and I immediately started praying for this baby's future and for his future adopted family. The weight of this little life impacted me so much. Here was this little one in my arms that had their entire life ahead of them, and they were starting out straight in the system. I couldn't help but stay in prayer until the end of that shift. The nurse I shadowed told me that was his last day there. And I'm curious if this is the same little one that you guys ended up getting. Because that's a family friend, and because we had a relationship, I asked her to to kind of describe the baby to me before I released any information. And I finally asked her, I go, if I sent you a picture of little Nugget's face, would you remember if that was the baby? And she goes, I'll never forget that little face. I'll never forget those eyes because the peace of God was on him. And I sent a picture and I get all the exclamation points, all the emojis saying, oh my gosh, that's him. You want to talk about moving is when God steps in on your behalf and starts to line things up while you're living your selfish, comfortable life. We were, we were going to eat at Chewy's. We were going thrifting. I wasn't even thinking about a kid being at our house by the end of that day at all, at all. And the Lord's over here. He's like, I'm weaving something together. You've already said yes, but I'm going to need you to say it a couple more times. It's hard to say yes sometimes. It's hard to give your yes to foster care because we all don't want to get attached and get hurt. We have heard it several times just since being placed. I would love to foster, but I don't think my heart could handle it when they got taken away. I would get too attached. I'm like, if you don't get attached, you're not doing it right. If you don't hug a baby and they grow up into adulthood, can they have physical touch? No, there are so many studies over decades that say it is absolutely impossible for them to even accept love, yet, yet, sorry, let alone give it. So when you get, when you have the opportunity to love a child that might be going through trauma, to love a child that has a past, and you're doing it with the love of the Lord, can you imagine what that can do to help bridge that gap? We said we didn't want to do fostering. We were literally told them several times, we're only doing adoption only. Absolutely no way. Adoption only. We're not risking it. We're not putting that out there. And I told our agency, um, I said, I, I just, I don't know if we can actually do the foster care thing. I don't know. What if we get hurt? And because they knew my personality and knew how to handle me, they just looked at me and said, You know how to heal. You know how to grieve. But these children don't know how to not have a home or love. They didn't ask for this. And I want to add on to that. A lot of these parents didn't ask for it either. We've seen cycles 
How many generational curses have we broken off in this house alone? In our own family lines. So that's what, when you look at this whole narrative, biological parents, whatever it might be, they're not the villains. When I was going through my stuff, when you were going through your stuff, most of us have a past, like it's Rock City. Everyone knows. Okay, like don't be acting like you're over there like, nah, I never did nothing. But it helped change the trajectory of our life when somebody else, probably a believer, sat there, reached over, and extended their arm. And then not only did that, but helped to pull them up and then walked with them. Didn't sit there and try and throw a Band-Aid on it or say, you're going to be fine. Or someone else will take care of it. Someone else will do it. There's a study, I think, um, it's called the bystander effect. It's much more official if you look it up. But if you have 10 people in a group that are witnessing a crime, the percentage is extremely low for anybody to even call for help. The higher that number goes, it almost becomes zero because everybody assumes somebody else will take care of it. And that honestly stinks to know that that's where a lot of us have been. There's people within our own church that have felt called to foster care, that have felt the nudge, but haven't taken the leap. And to help in the foster care system and the family, however you want to say it, you don't have to become a licensed foster family to help support foster children. Volunteering of your time, becoming respite certified, or taking the plunge and becoming licensed It's just you have to ask the Lord what his assignment is for you in this. Because I'm sorry to say, I know everyone's like, not everyone's called to foster care. You are the church. You are. You're called to take care of the orphans and the widows. How many times does it say it in scriptures? What did we say? I mean, we've heard the mamas and daddies of this house say for years, if it's said in the scriptures more than three, more than twice, you should probably listen to it. I'm just saying, and I'm only saying this because I was guilty of all of it. I'm still kind of guilty of it. I'm like, some days whenever you have two babies that are under three months old screaming and crying, and I work from home and I homeschool our eight-year-old, I'm over there just kind of like, I haven't showered in four days. My hair looks crazy. He comes home from work. I'm like, things are fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. I haven't showered. That smell, yeah, me. Don't judge me. Walk away. Just look away. But you gotta just, you've gotta lay it down. I do have to say that this woman right here is absolutely incredible and amazing in so many ways that you guys have no idea. I don't take compliments well. I know. It's okay. It's okay. But she's right. Most of you guys are not aware she does have a full time job where she's taking care of multiple clients around the clock online. And with two crying babies around the clock, it makes it very difficult, but she manages to get it done and still have the most organized house I've ever been in. <laughs> but, I mean, I was kind of guilty of the same thing, you know, thinking somebody else is going to take care of it. And then once we stepped into this, you know, after we had met Susan, 
you know, we kind of had the same thought, like, yeah, we're not going to do that. And then once we got into it, we're like, no, nah, we're not going to do foster. We're going to just do adoption because, yeah, we don't want the risk of the heartache. But after you start to see the true problem, you can't not do something about it. Yeah. You have Holy Spirit just tugs on you to do something. And sometimes that looks ugly. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. But we weren't called to be comfortable Christians living a comfortable Western American life. To know we're called to something and not act on it is direct defiance and disobedience to Christ. To know we are called to be part of a solution to a problem that is obviously blatantly put right in front of us. What if we fought for foster care children as much as we fight against abortion? What would that look like? Can you imagine? And I'm not saying that figuratively because I'm believing the church is going to rise up. There's a shifting in the seasons. There just, there is. People's hearts are going to change because the Lord is going to put situations in front of them. So, you know, we'd gone through all the trainings. We thought we were prepared. You know, we were under the impression we're going to get, like, kids that are just under our, our son's age, you know. So we had bunk beds set up. We had, you know, uh, a TV set up in the room with games. We're thinking, yeah, we're going to have, like, you know, six, seven-year-olds come in. They're going to love this. And they're like, hey, we have a newborn. It's going to roll out of the bunk bed. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, we get, we literally, it was less than 24 hours from our licensing that we get a call and they're like, Hey, we have the perfect placement for you. We're going to be there in about 30 minutes. And that's about how much, um, you know, lead time we got. We had nothing. Thank the Lord for group, thank the Lord for group texts and group chats and everything, because I sent out. Literally, I think all I wrote was, SOS, we're getting a placement, six days old, we don't have anything, how do I do this again? And we had, like I said, we had people literally driving around the block because we were like, hey, the CPS is like here, like y'all can't come right now. They're like, I'm just going to drive around until they leave, just let me know when. (laughs) Literally, as they left, their car drove off, friends drove up from this church. Yeah, it was literally like that. That wasn't even figurative. It was... uh, uh, yeah, the dust had not settled in our driveway before the next car came in. We the bassinet. Yeah, we needed a bassinet, and uh, we needed so much stuff. And Oscar and Vanessa were like, "Hey, we got you! Come over and pick it up right now! Get it out of this house!" That was the crib. <laughs> that, oh yeah, that was the, the crib. Yeah, the bassinet. Yeah, we had Mel and Andres were like, "Hey, come get it!" It, it was just like. <sighs> We were about to have to go to Walmart. One of us was going to have to go to Walmart and hope to the Lord we got back in time for the state to get to our house. Yeah. And we were sitting in the room. We're like, holy crap, we need to pick this up. We need to get this. We need to get this. And he gets a text message. And about literally as he said, I'll go get the bassinet. Someone texts, like he said, Andres and Mel. And they said, hey, do you need a bassinet? And we're just sitting there. We're like, touche, Lord. Like, <laughs> It was literally that second. I was like, we need a bassinet. <laughs> we got one. <laughs> but I mean, as this has unfolded, it's been crazy. I mean, like we said, we weren't prepared for babies, and now we've got two, which 
By the way, walking in public with a massive stroller and uh, going down aisles and then every, you know, five minutes someone going, oh, twins. No, not really, but kind of. And they're like, what? I actually left a guy hanging. We were in... um, We were we were in uh, Fort Worth visiting her her aunt, and we would uh, come up to a restaurant that had like a ton of people outside waiting. And uh, I was pushing the stroller, and I was walking up, and like this whole family standing over here on the side. And the guy's like, "Oh, that's that's awesome! You guys have twins." And I go, "No," and I just kept walking, didn't think about it. And the guy's like, "Okay." One, we've gotten a lot, and I've posted this, so if you've, yeah. Um, a lot of the, your twins don't look anything alike. <laughs> to which I responded, they have different daddies. Not the best response to 60 and 70 year old women, especially not in Sam's Club. There's something in the air there. On the flip side of that, I can also say they have two moms. I haven't got to use that one yet, so apparently that's not the thing to say. The Lord is working on us. <laughs> yes, the Lord is working on us. But honestly, this journey has been amazing so far. It's only been a few months, but it's been incredible. Um, you know, immediately we started bonding with them. Um, little Nuggets got to be the happiest baby I've ever seen, yeah. ever. Constantly giggling, smiling, um, and just genuinely happy. The peace. Yeah, the that peace. peace. That peace that our friend had mentioned that was holding him in the nursery before he was released from the hospital. We've had multiple people, I mean, obviously our whole church rolled through our house that first night, that sat and held that baby. People that came over the next few weeks to bring meals, and everybody said the same thing. He's so peaceful. Even, the, his, even his caseworker will show up and say, I love to sit here because there's so much peace. Like, Jesus is on these babies. It's, it's insane. It's insane. Yeah. So, another crazy thing that's happened out of all of this, um, that we didn't see what the whole purpose was. I say we. This is more her thing, but... <laughs> So earlier this year, Morgan decided to start on TikTok. For a client. For a client to test, to test the waters, you know. And like immediately her account started growing and everything. And from the most random videos, I mean stuff that it's like, why do you people watch this? Yeah, I posted, do you guys remember the yarn thing of Cat's Cradle? I posted that and it had like millions of views. I was like, what? Why are y'all following me? I don't know you. I'm like, I, have, I don't post anything good. And then, it, like he said, it just kept blowing up, and I was just making videos for fun for me. And then the Lord goes, I've given you influence. Now what are you going to do about it? Now that influence, as of right now, is just under a half million people, just so you know. So. I don't share that to be like, hey, go follow me, but do. But um, because it's open doors and areas of communication that are actually making a difference. I was able to partner with Georgia's Department of Children and Protective Services to help promote their new website to get all the followers I have in Georgia to at least inquire. Today. Today. I was, that has been the thing is the Lord will give you 
the microphone or megaphone, however it might look. It might not look like this. It might look like a millennial back there going, he'll give it to you. There's always an outlet for him to use if you'll lay it down and be like, what, this is yours. I have no problem like canceling an account if the Lord tells me to. I didn't want to do TikTok at all. And Paige is laughing at me. She knows. She would send me videos. And I'm like, I'm not coming to the dark side. You're not going to get me. But because of that and community built and people that rally and believe in others stepping up, the thing is, if you can't become a foster parent, support a foster parent. Yeah. I had strangers sending us strollers from Australia. I had people begging us to set up a wish list. Like I said, not good at t- receiving compliments, even worse at receiving gifts. Horrible. So we were getting Amazon boxes after we set up our wish list, probably four or five boxes a day. For four, yeah, for four solid weeks from random strangers on the internet because the Lord had used a platform that I thought was just silly videos, but we started sharing our foster journey. Like I said, I shared that video talking about how our church stood up and said, we're here to help. And then I shared struggles when I was like, this is hard, not knowing how long they're going to be with us, but we're still here. So I know we could go on and on, and there's parts of our testimony we, we can't share. And there's parts of our, the babies that are in our home. Those are our kids by all, by all circumstances right now. The moment a child enters our home, we made the decision that those are our children as long as we have them, whether it be temporary or permanent. Because to treat them like foster children is to, let, and to literally separate them from our biological is to treat them like they're less than. Because there's a stigma, and I'm not having it. So... Our babies have changed our life completely, completely. Stepping out and doing stuff I didn't want to do. I never wanted to make videos about foster care. I was doing travel vlogging. We were going to Austria. We were going to Romania. We were doing all the fun things. And then the Lord's like, you're going to sit down with the family and tell their story. It changed our life. It changed our life. I think that was, is there any more slides? I think there might have been one more quote. I might be full of it. We're good. Thank you, Lord. Sorry, I've been really nervous to share this stuff because it's, it's really heavy and to try and fit in everything that we've experienced into 45 minutes, which I'm sure we're well over, it's impossible. So I'm just saying the story's just starting. The story's just starting. The dream shifts. Like on that first quote, I don't know if y'all remember, but it said, my dream was too small. My dream used to be, I wanted to go to every country in the world, set foot everywhere. I'm going to go everywhere. And then the Lord broke me, not even what, a week ago. And I'm always like, we're never leaving our house. We're never leaving our house. I love our little house. And I just was in tears and I go, we need a bigger house. Because once you foster one, you want to foster them all. Once you see them smile, once you see what the system is actually trying to do, it's not trying to break apart families, it's trying to keep them together. I'm over here sitting there looking at plots of land and what it's going to cost to do a manufactured home with 15 rooms. I'm like, let's build a mini hotel. We'll get a couple respite people to live in with us. We can do this. A lot of things aren't zoned for that. I'm just saying. (laughs) 
But if you'll let the Lord help dictate your dream, because I say our dream because it's something we manufacture. If you'll ask him what your dream is or what his dream is for your life, I think you'll be shocked to see what all it would actually include. It might be fostering. It might be adopting. It might have nothing to do with this. And y'all might be ready for me to stop talking. But there's something that can be done. And obviously you saw the numbers in our own community. Those kids could very well be coming to this church right now and just not sharing it with us. And children will be coming to this church. I was talking with Tiffany earlier and they helped with our redeemed support group. The Lord has flat out given multiple people in this church visions of women that had lost their children because of addiction, worshiping next to them because they were adopted by someone within our own church. Can you imagine being that connection? We're not the savior, period. We're not the ones stepping in saying, hey, I'm here to fix it. We're just the ones stepping in the gap saying, you're not gonna have to do it by yourself. Because we had someone helping us. All of us did. Whether you were super messed up or just like not that bad. All of this... All of this stems from one major pandemic that's affecting more than just the foster system. We talk about it a lot in the men's ministry because it is that big of an issue. But what's going to fix all of this is eradicating fatherlessness. So if you have the ability to step up the Lord will make a way. Even if you don't have the ability, let me say it that way. Even if you don't have the ability, but you feel the, the Father's heart pulling on you to do something, he will make a way. But we've got to have homes with fathers in them. And they've got to be strong fathers. They've got to be godly men. You guys are in here now. If you're a male sitting in this sanctuary right now, you can hear my voice, you're already ahead of all the other men out there because you're already seeking to see what the Father's saying to you right now. It's not not that big of a leap to become a good father. But it is gonna take some time, it's gonna take some sacrifice, and it's gonna take some understanding of what the Father is calling you to do. That's what's going to put an end to all this. That's what's going to fix it. We keep talking about all the problems with CPS and everything else. CPS wouldn't have to be there if the fathers were in the homes taking care of the kids in the first place. Since I'm the female over here and I'm over here thinking, well, what about the motherlessness? There's just as bad of a prevalent issue. I'm not going to go in depth with it but my abuse came at the hands of the one that was supposed to be maternally caring for me. It can come either way. It can come either way. So, um, okay. Okay. I was told to share this. So before I get in trouble and get a text at 11 o'clock tonight, um, Years back when we gave up on foster care, the first go around, we were seeking fertility treatments, all that stuff, because we wanted babies. And what was crazy is our son at that point was going to a private Christian school and went to class and told his teacher, my mommy's pregnant with twins. 
I was like, yo, not even close, bro. Not even. I got to pick him up. And she's like, oh my gosh, congratulations. And I was like, this was the wrong top to wear. And she was like, London said you're having twins. And I go, we're not pregnant. Fast forward a couple of years, our women's ministry director, Lacey, had told me, why don't you prophetically paint a nursery? I was like, I ain't, pre- I ain't preparing an entire nursery for babies that may or may not happen. Because at that point, my hope was so deferred, and I had so much love to give to children, I thought, which, ironically enough, I hated serving in nursery. Sorry, Mel. But we decided to do at least paint a wall. We figured we could paint a wall. And so before that, we decided to write a little boy's name on one wall and a little girl's name on the other. I filmed a video that way later on down the road. We could be like, well, look, we did this for you. We did this because we believed in you. Even in that moment, though, I wasn't. I didn't remember that video until somebody ran, like, randomly goes, hey, didn't you paint your wall prophetically as a nursery? I went back. Little Nugget sleeps underneath the little boy's name. By chance. We have, by chance. Little Strawberry, right under the little girl's name. They had been sleeping under the prophecy that was spoken over them and prayed over them years ago. Whether they are there at our house for a couple more months or permanently, they were brought by the promise of God. I don't know if you're going through something. Everyone is, but a lot of people are dealing with the inability to have a child. A lot of people are. A lot of people are dealing with miscarriages. Our church had a miscarriage pandemic a couple years ago. But the Lord will step in and ask you to partner with Him in a promise that may not make sense because you might feel like you're in winter. And I'm telling you this from experience after having a nine-year winter season. And I say that because the prophets that all came through, they're like, you're in a winter season. I'm like, really? (laughs) Hadn't noticed. But after a nine-year winter season, I didn't even begin to notice the thaw. You don't notice the thaw coming out of it. Down to the names of these babies, the Lord has been fulfilling prophetic words spoken over us for the last seven years. One of the baby's names literally means to bloom. And not just to bloom, but to bloom in winter. You wanna know what's even greater is the harvest is so much richer after after the winter. So whether you're going through a winter season or whether you're thriving and you're like, everything's great, I'm on the mountaintop. Mountains go like this, so it's gonna be cyclical. Sorry, just saying. The Lord gave, promised us that He would fulfill His word, but He never said He would fulfill our promise, His promises to us without a little pain being involved. We're the ones that put that on it, saying, well, things are gonna feel good if everything is being fulfilled. I'll tell you this, I can feel both amazingly high up on a mountaintop, snuggling two cute little babies, being like, this is a promise fulfilled. And then the reality of the situation sinks in. And I'm like, this is a fight that we're in to help more than just these two. So if y'all see us buying a giant house in a couple of years, just pray for us because I'm over here. Like I want like a farm. I'm turning into Amber. I was like, we can do it, but just no animals. No offense, sorry. (laughs) But just say yes. 
I know it's scary, but your yes could literally change a child's future. And I know that sounds super cheesy and hallmarkish, but it is the holidays. But it's true. If someone didn't step into my narrative, I would probably be on the street somewhere. I would. The Lord literally delivered me from drugs so that I could help deliver children from that too. So that I could help deliver the families, the mothers, the fathers, anybody involved from that issue. The Lord has delivered you of something to be a deliverer for that very issue. Just all I'm saying is we say all the time, kids are the most important thing. The next generation, the next generation, the next generation. Cool, I get it. Volunteer in kids ministry, help out, but branch beyond these walls and just see what it does to our community. So right now, we want to take the opportunity to, to pray over you guys. And if we can have prayer partners come up, if any of you guys feel that pull towards foster care and you feel like you just need prayer over it to for whatever reason, or you feel like you've had that orphan spirit just lingering, whether it was due to a father not being in the home, a mother not being in the home, abuse of any kind, anything like that. Even if it was just they weren't there when you needed them. If you're dealing with that right now, I want you to come up and receive prayer. I felt like the Lord, once he started saying that, there's a few of you guys in here that just need a mama or a father, like a mother's or a father's hug. Just someone to hug you and say, I'm proud of you. So if you need a hug, they're good huggers. I've, I've tried them all. Pick one. All right. Um, we're going to uh, open the uh, altar up for prayer. But before we do, uh, Colton Morgan, just real quick, um, I would like everyone to stretch your hands out. We want to pray for them corporately. This is, I really believe, our, our opportunity right now in this moment to sow in to what they spoke spoke about tonight because they're doing this they're in the fight right now uh, and so we want to go ahead and just cover them and just say father we pray for the Bartell family and we pray for these little ones that are in their home right now that you have entrusted with them for a time undetermined Lord but uh, it's something that we don't know in the natural, but Lord, that you know. And Lord, we just pray for a spiritual impartation and covering over them. Lord, that you would just continue to give them wisdom and grace. Lord, that they would have grace for each other, grace for the season that you have them in. Lord, and just help the love to continue to overflow, Lord. Lord, let us love them well, and Lord, let us hear and answer the call that they've, that they've rung out tonight, Lord, for fostering, for respite care, for stepping up and saying there are children's lives that we are called to intervene and to be a part of, Lord. Lord, we just pray that we know that this is just the beginning of a very, very special story, Lord. 
It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please subscribe and share it with your friends. And if you want to partner with us in what God is doing here at Rock City, you can give by visiting our website at rockcitycorpus.com slash give.